Having a baby is meant to be the most joyful time of your life. But for many mums and dads, it can be the hardest and at times the darkest of places. Welcome to Blue Mondays, the podcast for anyone struggling with parenting. Today's guest is Poonam Dufa. Poonam is a somatic coach, speaker, facilitator and founder of YesMate. She set up a community care platform to empower people to develop self-awareness, express themselves honestly, and celebrate their whole self. Welcome to Blue Mum Days, Puna. How are you today? Hi, Vicky. I'm really well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you today. And it's it's going to be a very different Blue Mum Days this episode because it's all about self-compassion and self-kindness. And I think this is something that we as parents and particularly with mums, something we really struggle with. We, we are so used to putting our children's needs first. And I think it's really important to, to emphasise that self-care is actually incredibly important. And we as mums, you know, deserve to be kind to ourselves and that looking after yourself is not an act of selfishness. It's, it's quite the opposite. Can we start off talking a little bit about what self-care and compassion is? Yeah, so self-compassion is simply giving ourselves the same love and kindness that we usually give to others freely, you know. So the words, the feelings, the emotions that we we share, the love that we give to other people, it's about us receiving that same level of love and kindness towards ourselves and there's an assumption that self-compassion is a sign of weakness and it's really fluffy and you know there's a lot of kind of misconceptions around what self-compassion is but as we're going to be exploring in today's episode we're going to be looking at actually you know how self-compassion provides us strength and support and how we can start learning to give ourselves that level of love and kindness towards ourselves because you know if we can't take care of ourselves then how can we then take care of others that's a very important point because as parents and as mums especially we do tend to put ourselves absolutely last and don't think about our needs it's all about our children's needs which of course is absolutely critical to being parent but they do say the best way to look after your your family is to also look after yourself and make sure you're happy or content or well rested. And I think the other thing you say there is really pertinent because especially if you're going through perinatal illness, you judge yourself so, so harshly. And, you know, one of the things I remember being taught in CBT is, you know, would you talk to your friend in such a harsh way? Would you expect the same from them and absolutely not but it's it's a very hard thing to learn it is it is and you know our culture and the society that we live in you know we're not we're not used to this like nobody has taught us this we're not taught in our education systems perhaps we're not taught in the family home but ultimately self-compassion is a form of acceptance so whereas acceptance usually refers to what is happening to us accepting a thought or a feeling Self-compassion is actually acceptance to us, to the person whom it's happening to. So it's the acceptance of ourselves while we're in pain, while we're suffering, while we're facing difficulties and challenges. And actually, when we're able to cultivate self-compassion, we're then able to give ourselves that motivation to, to soothe and to comfort and to bring that level of kindness to ourselves 
while we're in that moment of, of suffering and, and going through those difficult times. So when you actually stop trying to feel better and instead you discover this sympathy for ourselves, you can start really understanding that actually, you know, as humans, we all suffer at different points in our lives, but that process of suffering is, is exactly the same. So we're going to be looking at, you know, those three core components of what make up self-compassion. And we're going to be really delving into, you know, why we need to be cultivating these in our daily lives and we don't need to wait for another day. These are things that you can implement straight away. I'm very much hoping this episode can go out on Blue Monday, which is an advertising or marketing invention. There is no such thing as Blue Monday. It's, they, they just invented it. So, but, but January can be really tough for people. You know, you've had the excitement of Christmas or the stress of Christmas, long, cold, dark days. Yeah, this is perfect timing. So thank you so much for joining us. When you were saying about that this misconception that it's it's fluffy there is actually scientific research or, or sort of proper credentials behind this yeah so there's been a lot of research studies a lot of stats showing that you know when we're able to cultivate self-kindness when we're able to cultivate self-compassion towards ourselves we're more likely able to calm and regulate our nervous system so we're able to be more in a state of presence rather than you know, being in a state of rumination, which is when we're jumping from the past or we're worrying about the future. So our physical selves are here, but our, our mental state is kind of jumping all over the place. So when we're able to learn these tools of self-compassion, we're able to essentially take care of our mind, take care of our body, take care of how we're holding ourselves, but also recognising what is happening within us. And we're able to, to soothe ourselves and then also provide that comfort and love to to our loved ones and you know I, I have a lot of uh, friends I have a huge family who have a lot of kids and I see how they talk to themselves when they're going through a challenge or through a difficulty and often I'll ask them just take a pause for a moment how would you feel if you heard me repeating those words to myself and quite often, it's almost like a shock to the system because they don't actually realise the harm that it's bringing them because they're so absorbed in that self-negative talk. So we're going to be discussing a little bit about, you know, what actually happens when we're so absorbed and we're over-identified with the language that we use and what happens when we're absorbed in that, what emotions are created and actually how we show up in the world. There is almost like an automatic thing where we get so used to that voice it's just like a <laughs> like a nagging hectoring horrible voice I call mine the hag <laughs> the hag but it sounds it's, like a pub <laughs> yeah yeah the hag but it's it's quite good to give it a a name because it's not real and it's not you and sometimes you know with a lot of us it's so automatic isn't it and you aren't even aware that it's happening this this real criticism inner criticism yeah is, is this something you've experienced yourself oh massively like I think you know who hasn't who hasn't who hasn't experienced this I think we uh different stages in our lives we experience that level of criticism at some 
some point and maybe at some points it's more profound and it's more kind of in our face where at other times it's slightly more more subtle and I think a lot of that has to do with you know our upbringing our conditioning our past experiences you know how we're brought up you know how we're raised how we're nurtured um and also you know the people that we spend our our time with as well and you know the things that we spend our time doing so I notice that a lot of a lot of youngsters when they're on social media they're absorbing a lot of good stuff but also there's a lot of negativity as well out there like you you start putting yourself in this in this comparison cycle and I remember that I yeah back in my in mid-20s I, I suffered with really bad anxiety and panic attacks and a lot of that was to do with my mindset and how I was thinking and I was somebody who used to be that person that would jump from things that happened in 1995 to worrying about what's going to happen in 2025. So it made me realize that when we're thinking negatively, we're going to be creating negative emotions. And that really, you know, it can either be a huge barrier for us of how we're going to show up in the world, or if we can learn to start giving ourselves compassion and actually holding ourselves with, with kindness and, and being more kinder in word, in action, and deed, then, you know, we can start learning how to soften ourselves and show up in a world that feels authentic to us. But yeah, it's something that I um, I struggled with quite a lot, actually. And I think it's only in my late, early 30s um, that I started recognising the importance um, of that. And I remember my brother saying to me, you know, when you when you're in this negative cycle, does it help you or does it harm you? And when I started thinking of it like that, it was like, yeah, this is actually not motivating me. And I think sometimes we use that critical language because we think it's going to motivate us to be better and show up and, you know, be like our friends. And But actually, you know, it's, it's, it's incredibly harmful. It's incredibly harmful. And I think part of that is because we, as human beings, we don't actually understand the power of our words. You know, everything is energy and our emotions are actually energy in motion. So our words have power, our energy that we, we're creating within us isn't just how we feel about what's happening within inside of ourselves, but also people can, you know, viscerally feel that. So, you know, when you're meeting someone, whether you're on a date or in a job interview, you instantly, within the first sort of five to seven seconds, you get, you feel the vibe, you feel the vibration of somebody and you know if it's on, is it off, something's not quite right. And that isn't because of what people are saying or what people are doing. It's what's happening deep within them and what's vibrating through that. And that's that, that energy field that we, we connect with. And the same goes for, for kids, you know, for children. They, especially at that young age, they, they can really absorb what is going on around them, which is why it's really important to be, to be mindful and to really start cultivating self-compassion and holding ourselves with, with more tenderness and with more grace. Yeah, I think that's so important. And and just what you were saying about the words, how words are so important. It's like with, you know, when you're interacting with anybody else, you don't know what's going on for them. And and so it's great for us all to be sort of less judgmental to ourselves, to other people. And um, the other thing that really resonated with me was the, the talk about comparison culture. And we could have a whole... <laughs> another podcast series yeah yeah, and a whole another podcast series on that and um you know it's hugely detrimental to the mental health of of young people but even in parenting there is this 
pressure. Before we had social media, there was competitive parenting. Who can make the best cakes at the, <laughs> at the birthday parties or who looks the most together at the school gates? But especially with social media, there is this pressure on, you know, perfect parenting. And my God, that does not exist. It just doesn't exist. And it's like with any part of social media, it's, it's fantastic. But don't compare yourself to somebody else's highlights reel. You know, you don't know all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And uh, yeah, we're all, we're all struggling and yeah. we all have down days. And, and the fact that incredible people like Adele, Chrissy Teigen, Cardi B, Paloma Faith, Selena Williams, Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, my God, Gwyneth Paltrow, who, who seems to have this perfect life. These are all people that suffered from postnatal depression and postnatal anxiety. And it just goes to show how indiscriminate this sort of thing is. If they can get affected and they all seem incredibly strong together women, just goes to show it can happen to, to anybody. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a beautiful reminder that we're all human. You know, we're human first. And I think a lot of this comparison culture actually comes from we're taught to strive for perfection and that starts at a very very young age you know um, again going back to how you've been brought up but definitely within the education system we're taught about striving for really good grades and being the best and almost being turned into this kind of workforce um, you know this this kind of system of, of, of striving for that but we're not taught about emotions we're not taught about emotional regulation or you know how the words or our thoughts even impact how we we feel we're not we don't have the coping mechanism tools you know from from a young age and I think unless you're kind of exposed to sort of a holistic way of being and living you learn these tools as you as you get older through through your own means and ends you know so I think it's you know the more tools that people have the more they're able to navigate those waves when there's challenges and, and really find that level of encouragement and support sometimes that we look from others but actually to recognize that we as human beings we have access to that deep within us but it's like how do we bring that out of ourselves and how do we nurture that relationship with ourselves because sometimes when we are criticizing and we're putting ourselves down all we really want to hear from the words of somebody else is that you're enough or you're doing a great job or it's difficult today tomorrow's a new day yeah yeah absolutely and this this is um very pertinent to the special meditation that you're going to be doing for us because Poonam's very kindly created a bespoke loving kindness meditation for Blue Monday listeners and yeah really really excited to share that with everybody and that's going to be a eight or 10 minute reset really because it is so important to, to put those positive messages into you you know and remind yourself that you are enough you know you are good enough just going back to your point about growing up without the tools for emotional self-regulation that sort of thing so many of the parents that I've spoken to through the course of, of creating this podcast have actually said that they feel they've had benefits from going through perinatal illness or depression and in fact Liz Wise my first guest we spoke to her daughter Emma and Emma was saying that Liz was a, a better parent for having had postnatal depression because she encouraged the talk about emotions 
and compassion and, and care to sort of how you're feeling and attention to how you're feeling growing up. So she had those sort of tools and that that was part of her upbringing, that it was normal to show emotion and to talk about how you were feeling. And that actually is a wonderful thing to teach our children. Yeah, because what that's actually doing is it's helping us build resilience, emotional resilience. And I think often when we're going through difficulties or challenges, you know, we put ourselves down, we, we end up beating ourselves up about beating ourselves up. You know, we, we, we get into this vicious cycle and often people fall into the over-identification and, and they get absorbed into their thoughts and, you know, they feel really bad and they can't seem to get themselves out of it. But if we just took a pause and started to ask ourselves, actually, what am I learning from this experience? And reframing, and of, of course, it's not always easy in that moment because sometimes you do just need to feel all those feelings and and allow those waves of emotion to kind of complete that cycle but if we started looking at our challenges and our difficulties as opportunities for growth and for learning rather than always looking at I haven't done this in the most perfect way or I haven't done this like Mrs Jones next door then you know it's very difficult to kind of get out of that mindset but if we started looking at these opportunities for growth and for learning to be you know more kinder human beings to be more loving parents to be a more loving sister a partner then we can slowly begin to kind of soften because anytime that we're criticizing ourselves or we're using negative language what actually happens to the body is that the body contracts we close but when we're more loving we're more open that flow of energy is more open it's more expansive our body learns to relax, we can feel more ease within the body, we can feel more centred within our heart space, and we're able to be more grounded and present with actually how we're feeling, but also what is happening within us. And I think often people look at, you know, externally what is happening around. So for instance, you know, parents who have friends with kids who have just had another kid who bought another house, or all these external factors, we'll, we'll look at comparing ourselves and exactly like you said earlier is that you never really know what's happening behind closed doors but more importantly you never really know what's happening within somebody and everything that they're, they're carrying and as I say yes mate you never know how many plates somebody is truly juggling because we're never fully going to be vulnerable with every single person so as much as it's important to be kind towards ourselves also to to recognize that, that level of suffering and that challenge within somebody else and to show that same level of kindness that we do to somebody else, even if they have, you know, that, that perfect image and they look like they have it together, really, you don't know what somebody is, is truly going through and what, what they're holding within them. Yeah, yeah, very, very good points there. And that's why, you know, there are so many rich and famous people who have been affected by depression or anxiety that you can have all the things like access to luxury yachts and hotels and but it doesn't change what's happening inside I'm sure it makes life easier <laughs> but um and the other thing I'd like to say is that this is an ongoing process isn't it it's you don't have to get it right every time I mean gosh a couple of days ago I I had some some bad news and it took me a while to sort of reset and turn it around in my head and that it's okay if you have negative feelings to actually not bottle them up but just let them th flow through you Absolutely. and 
and this is this is I think what people forget is that we're not our thoughts we're not our emotions we're not even actually the body right but the more that we become absorbed in our thoughts and our emotions the more closed we become so the more that we 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 almost get trapped in that feeling of like this is going to be forever this is going to be forever and you know the one of the core components which um I'll touch upon shortly is that you know when we when we're over identified again yeah we we close and we become so absorbed in that and rather than becoming over identified what happens if we start bringing mindfulness and mindfulness is actually the core component of self-compassion so before I actually get into that I thought it'd be really helpful for for everyone you can grab a notepad, you can open up your apps on your phone, your note app, because um, I think it's really important to share actually what these three core components are and that, you know, self-compassion isn't, you know, a candy floss stick that is just just fluffy and there's not, there's not really anything there. It's a huge strength. So these are the th three core components that have been coined by um, Dr. Christine Neff, who is a psychologist, highly recommend everyone to check out her TED talks. I'm a huge advocate of her work. And I think, yeah, what she's bringing into the world is, is hugely beneficial to anyone from any walk of life, um, anyone who's facing kind of any challenges. So the first core component is self-kindness over self-judgment. So usually when we're judging ourselves, we are using relentless criticism you know, we are judging ourselves and that language becomes really harmful. So when we're kinder to ourselves, we actually are able to open up our heart without judgments and we can learn to nurture ourselves when, you know, we're riding those waves and we're facing those difficulties. So we end up, rather than criticising ourselves, we end up giving ourselves that encouragement and that support. And we begin to recognise that perfection does not exist. Every day is a learning opportunity. And whether that's us, you know, experiencing the good stuff or whether that's us experiencing those, those waves and those storms. So somebody who's able to cultivate self-compassion can actually respond to, to difficulties and those setbacks with actually a more warming, warming and loving tone and recognize that actually we all go through this. It's not, it's not just me. Second core component is common humanity versus isolation. So when we're suffering or we feel that we are inadequate in some shape or form, these are both core components of, of that shared experience of being human. You know, we all suffer. We all feel inadequate at some point within our lives. And it is something that we all go through. And it's not just something that happens purely just to, to me and the I. So when we're judging ourselves, when we're feeling unworthy, we then actually separate ourselves from each other and we separate ourselves from, from the truth of life, which is that we are all interconnected to each other and to, I believe, this spirit, that, that this power that permeates through all living beings. So we start recognising that everybody feels pain, everybody suffers, and yes, we feel this at different times, but that process is exactly the same. And then the third core component, which is probably, I feel, one of the most important is we are able to cultivate mindfulness over identification. 
So mindfulness is a balanced state of awareness. It doesn't exaggerate. It doesn't exist. It doesn't try to add or remove. It just simply accepts exactly as, as we are with what is happening in the now. And it's so powerful because when we actually start bringing our attention and our focus to the present moment, it actually stops us from getting lost in, in that rumination. It stops us from being anxious and really feeling overwhelmed with those feelings. And also when we're able to pay attention to what is happening now, we're also able to pay attention to our thoughts, our negative thoughts, our feelings, our experiences. And we start to recognize that, wow, like our thoughts are just simply, they're just like passing clouds. Like one minute we're going to get a negative thought, then there may be another one. Then it may be, oh, what am I going to have for, for my lunch? Or, oh, then it's another the negative thought. And we can start actually, rather than being so absorbed and over-identified with those negative thoughts and those feelings, we can start recognising that, ah, oh, this is the story that I'm playing. This is the narrative that is on loop here. And we can start to almost come out of that and start being here and being present. So when we're able to really be aware of what is happening within us, in our mind, we then are able to be aware of what is actually happening to us within the body. Because again, when we're feeling these feelings and we're having these thoughts, it's not just in the mind we experience this, it's also in the body. So when we're feeling over-identified, when we're feeling anxious, when we're, when we're criticizing ourselves, we may experience some tightness in the chest, we may feel anxious, some knots in the stomach, perhaps there's some tension behind the neck or on your shoulders. And again, you know, how we carry our bodies and the shape that we, we take up in, in the space also is an indication of how we're feeling mentally because our mind and our body are, are one, they're not separate things. So if we're able to really have that attention, that focus on what is happening within my mind and actually speaking with a little bit more kindness and again just recognizing like yeah this is a really difficult day I'm having and that's okay because it's only today tomorrow is a new day and just by learning just to slightly tweak the language that we're using and again it's not something that's going to happen overnight like it's something that we have to practice and put into practice when we catch ourselves doing that and just simply observing like okay how do I feel in the body like, so normally I would have said this, and this is how I would have felt. But by me just softening that tone, how does that actually feel? Because normally that, that criticism tone that we have is never warm. It's always cold, mm. very cold. It's very harsh. And again, I'm sure people will experience that in different levels of, you know, of degree. But when we're speaking with kindness, the tone is always warm. It's very loving. It's very soft. So what happens when we're speaking like that to ourselves? What happens within the body? How do we actually feel within ourselves? And also what is happening to the breath? So when we're absorbed, when we're over-identified, when we're anxious, we hold a lot of tension here in the heart space, but also our rhythm of our breath, we're not regulated. It's not, it's either, you know, it's moving really, really fast or we're taking long, deep, inhales and exhales and it's not a regular regulated movement but when we're speaking with more softness and kindness to ourselves we soften not just in our minds 
or in our heart, we soften completely within the body. And then we're able to recognize that, okay, this is a difficult moment. Am I allowing myself to just let myself feel all of this feeling and just let it go? And some days are going to be easier than others. And it might be weeks until till we can get to this kind of level. But again, if we want to make any kind of change in our life, everything begins with the words that we use towards ourselves and what is happening within us. So the more that we avoid even addressing, okay, I speak really harshly to myself or I'm really critical, that's another sign of avoidance that we don't actually want to, we don't want to actually explore ourselves any deeper because it's perhaps too painful we're not in that right frame of mind and again this is not going to happen overnight it's not a quick fix it's something that we learn to cultivate with time and the more that we recognize the importance of our words of our thoughts and our feelings the more it will be just become an habitual pattern for us and it won't be something that we're training and it would just be it would just be automatic and when we're able to do that for ourselves we're able then to share that love and kindness to, to, to our mates, to our families who, again, who are going through challenging times and be able to be that kind of soothe, that comfort that perhaps we were seeking at that time that we found it very, very difficult. So when we're cultivating self-compassion, it's not just self-care for us, it's how we're taking care of all of us within that. Because if we're able to feel you know, a little bit better within ourselves, we're then able to show up and be a little bit better with our relationships and the way that we walk through life. So if there's one thing that you can take away from today's session is that really understanding the power of, of your words and how that can have a profound effect on your body and how you take care and also how you take care of others within your own kind of circle as well beautifully put I mean I, I could listen to you for hours Plenum. but it's it's incredible isn't it that it is like a pay it forward thing and this is one thing I want to emphasize and you know believe me I suffered terribly from mum guilt but I think it's so important to say this isn't a self-indulgent thing it's Absolutely not, not a selfish thing is it's crucial and it's so important to everybody and the more you practice it the more habitual it becomes, like you say. And I know it seems really silly calling my inner critic the hag, but by being able to to stop myself when I hear that voice and say, that's not me, that's that's the hag, I'm able to sort of separate it and, and see it for what it is. I also think you really touched on something very important when we're talking about the mindfulness and being in the now, because mm-hmm. it's something as parents especially when we have anxiety is we really fret about the future so I know that I think it was probably about the third night I was at home with baby Stanley and it was the middle of the night which is the worst for <laughs> for sort of paranoid thinking and I remember remember just freaking out thinking I don't even know how to start taking him to get his first pair of shoes I don't know the first thing about helping him with his homework. So I was I was projecting like, you know, six, six years ahead. But I was really fretting about the future. And it's so important in terms of like managing anxiety, isn't it, to 
to also separate from, you know, painful experiences in the past and try and concentrate on the here and now. And also know that everything will pass. So as a parent, you go through very, very challenging times where like your child might be teething. And so the the sleep pattern goes out of the window. Or I remember like when Stanley was about three, he went through a happy slappy phase. And it's a developmental phase where kids start hitting you and hitting their friends. And you just think, this isn't what I brought them up to be like. My lovely child's going to be a horror for the rest of their lives. And it is just a, a phase. And so knowing that things will pass, I think, is really helpful attitude to have as well, that nothing is forever. Nothing is forever. Yeah. And, and even when it comes to anxiety and you know, panic attacks, and I'm speaking from someone who, you know, lived with this for almost 10 years of my life, is that it really boils down to control. You know, we trying to control everything. And for me, it was around, you know, actually resisting life, essentially, resisting what is unfolding and what's happening. Because in my mind, I had created this fantasy of, okay, by this certain point in my life, I need to have this. By this certain point, this needs to happen. And I was at that point in my life and none of these things were happening. And it was like, what is actually, what is, what is happening then? So within that time, I recognised more towards kind of the end, the closing of that, that whole kind of experience was that it really boiled down to me trying to control everything and creating this huge sort of fantasy in my world that my life needed to pan out exactly how I had planned. And I think the more that we can kind of loosen our grip on that and allow whatever needs to flow, the more that we can be at ease with ourselves. And I think part of that is because we do think we're in control and we think that we are actually bigger than life. And we think that we have more power than this incredible intelligence that is ever evolving, you know. And I think the more that we can just loosen our grip and just be at ease with whatever arises and knowing that, you know, we're going to be okay. We are going to be okay. And also what you were just sharing about baby Stanley is like when you're in that, that moment of thinking about what is going to happen in the future and you're doing the projecting, like our mind will go to those kind of negative scenarios or things that kind of haven't even, even happened yet. And I think we can often lose ourselves and forget that actually just create a human being yeah like I've created a human being and isn't isn't that enough like that in itself is such a miracle so I think also just kind of pulling back and looking at you know what do we what do we have right now and also looking at as as a parent like what are my strengths what am I nourishing this child with what am I nourishing myself with and actually focusing our energy on 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 the good stuff rather than always pouring out into the negative things and again that's a part of human life isn't it we are we are going to be negative and we are going to be looking at that but at what point you know does it does it go 50% or are we always going to be stuck in that 100% and I think again you know it's a practice that we we have to start practicing because it's as simple as do we want to continue living in the space that we're living in or do we want to start making some changes and actually see, does this, 
work for me? Does this make me feel better? Does this make me a more grounded parent? Like, does this make me show up in a different way? And I think, again, part of that is just loosening those grips and loosening that control of having to do things in like this kind of order because it's something you've read in a book or it's advice that you've had from somebody else. But actually, you know, we're all different human beings and our processes and the way that we live is is different. So again, you know, finding ways that actually work for you and that nourish you. So what might work for somebody else may not necessarily work for you and being okay with that. And I think the more that we try to be someone else, the more unhappy we're going to be as well. You know, we're trying to fit and mould ourselves into somebody else's values, somebody else's intentions, someone else's dreams and desires. And it's like, well, what do we actually want? Yeah. My God, everything is resonating so so much with me. (laughs) The point you made about control and trying to control things. You know, so many of the, the people that I've spoken to, whether it's through the Cedar House support group or through the parents that I've spoken to as part of this podcast, these are all really intelligent, capable, high achieving people. And there, there must be some correlation between that feeling of wanting to control things or liking things in control. And as soon as you put a baby into the mix, it's like there ain't no control. It's it goes chaos. Out the <laughs> yeah, it's absolute chaos. And it changes constantly. So you are literally fighting fires all the time. And and so it's accepting that you can't control everything, I think, is is a really important thing when you become a parent. And that's not that's not an easy thing to accept. But also what you were saying about comparison and what's right for you and your child, because you are individuals and your baby's individual and There are so many experts from books that you read, from things that you look up, you know, the dreaded Google search. Don't do it when you're a parent because it's just uh, forums, parental forums can be really frightening. And there is a lot of judgment. And, you know, even people coming up to you in the street when when you're taking your, your baby out, it comes at you from everywhere when you're a parent. And even when you're a pregnant mom, you know, you have loads of advice coming at you and it's about being true to who you are and your instincts. And actually your instincts are as good as anything when it comes to to parenting. You don't have to count out all these pressures that are put on you. Finding your own rhythm and what works for you and baby is it's okay to do that. It's okay to say no now I'm going to do it my way yeah it's okay to know that actually everything you're doing with what you have is enough and that I think it boils down to that yeah you are enough and also like you said you're going to get advice and you're going to get the unsolicited advice being thrown at you left right and center but again like how I think when you're when you're anxious and that can sting you a little bit more because mm, you're definitely. you're you're quite chaotic and you know it's like you know who are you to tell me this and but again you know the more grounded and the more calm and you know assured that you are of of, of who you are and actually what you're doing is enough it's almost like as my mum says like water off a duck's back you know that you can take it in through one ear and, and kind of take it out and I think even with things like that 
that over identification comes back in like you know this person said this to me or blah 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 blah, and we get so absorbed in that and it's like well we've just wasted half an hour talking about somebody we met on Stratton High Street you know yeah and (laughs) like we can we can fall into that trap of becoming absorbed of somebody else's opinion or somebody else's thought but it's like well actually I, I know what is best for my child and I know what I'm doing is is the best that I can do right now and that is enough yeah absolutely and knowing that they don't need the latest trendy clothes they don't need all these (laughs) I I remember saying things like these clip-on things that you put on the pram and it's like a little toy and I remember thinking if I don't have that on my pram I'm not a good mum if I don't have something that I saw somebody in a children's play group session as oh I'm not a good mom and actually your child doesn't need any of those things it's about are you giving them nourishment and it doesn't matter how how and what you do if you can breastfeed them brilliant but if you are unable to breastfeed please don't beat yourself up you know you're still nourishing your child also in terms of like love are you caring for them on a daily basis you know for many of us it's wonderful that we're able to bond instantly with our children but for many parents going through perinatal distress they aren't able to bond but they're still showing love because they are caring for the child they are providing shelter and all the basic needs and those needs are enough they are absolutely enough And the other things can come and go and you will develop it with confidence as you become more relaxed at parenting. But what you are doing right now, right here, right now, is enough. And you need to know that and you need to take comfort in that. And every day is a new day and a new opportunity. Or if you've had a a really crappy morning, you can change that mindset, say, okay, this morning was really, really hard, but this afternoon's going to be better. And I'm going to find one good thing about this afternoon, you know, whether it's finding a beautiful flower when you go out for a walk or just doing one thing where you're like, I did a really good job with that. I did really well. Or even just getting through that difficult morning. Just really talk kindly to yourself because the kinder you are to yourself the better you'll become as a parent because you'll be more contented. If you enjoy this episode of Blue Mondays, please rate and subscribe. It only takes a minute, but it genuinely makes a difference to how many people can find it, which means helping more parents in need. Thank you.